We're live. We're live. What's up, guys? John Sintez, Cutter Nation podcast. I got a guy super pumped to be here, the baseballologist. But first, don't forget, go check out my online store. Get, grab yourself a super soft Cutter Nation tee, one of my hats. I only have four left right now, but we'll get that out there. You can also get some on-field stuff like some pullovers, hoodies. I got J-bands. I got weighted balls. I got flush bands to get the arm feeling good. Just go on my website. You can tap the link in my bio. It'll take you to my website. I also got a blog on there that have my other podcasts. We on YouTube, all kinds of crazy stuff. Just trying to help you guys out and get information. But without further ado, my man, the king of Instagram, the baseball just what's up, brother? How's it going, brother? How's how's, how's everything? Dude, it's doing great. I just had a uh, first or we're coming up the end of our first week of summer training over here. I've got some horses over here that are just ready to get after it and get going, you know? Dude, hey, I appreciate you having me on this, man. I'm excited. We always talk baseball, but to finally get it on a podcast and video and for the Cutter Nation to hear, you know, us talk baseball, I'm truly excited, man. No, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's it's always every time we go live or I see the stuff you're doing, I just I really love the internet and how everybody of like you, for example, you being a D2 guy like myself and and how like minded we all are and and the internet is really opening up a lot of this information and, and how awesome people are with what they're doing because it's just, it's really fun to help people when when they're looking for stuff. I know, you know, me being an older guy, I'm 32, when I was in high school coming up, my baseball coach knew some stuff, but it, was, it wasn't like he was, he was ready to retire, really. I love the guy to death, you know, but when you tell me my junior year that this is your last year, but you have to come back your senior year because they can't find a baseball coach, yeah. it's probably not going to be a good day. You know, yeah. it's not going to be a good season. I understand that. I, yeah. I understand that. So it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good way to kind of give back to the community, you know, with our, or with our education, our knowledge. Um, so I'm truly excited, brother. All right, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. So let's start with you, man. Um, so tell everybody where you're from. You know, before we get to the baseballologist, you know, you you were a ball player, so let's run through that history and and let everybody know really what what got the fire going. Oh, the fire! I think that that sparks a lot out of me when people say the fire. Uh, first off, my name is a baseballologist. I'm from Southern California, just like uh, where John's at. He just way more south. Um, but my life story is at three years old. You know, for t-ball, you're supposed to be five years old, right? But three years old, my mom signed me up for t-ball and lied about my age. So I was a three-year-old balling out against five-year-olds. So that's why I always throw up the three, just to represent my mom. It's me reflecting my mom. So oh, I, did the I love ball. that. I didn't know that story. That was awesome, man. Yeah, I saw you the other day. Like, you said comment three on something, and I was meant to ask you uh, was, what the significance of that was. That's cool. Right there. Yeah, hey. yeah, sick. Yeah, do it one more time. Yeah, solid. Yeah. So it's just a way to uh, represent my mom. So throughout my whole life, I wore the number three up until college. I, I uh, switched it up. But I, I did the whole Little League. I did the whole Pony. I did the whole Travel Ball. Um, freshman year, I made varsity. And I was really good every, you know, four years. And I was the man. And, you know, most I think that's the that's the thing I like teaching kids, who especially who are juniors and seniors, is don't get too cocky or do too comfortable. So being the man, I got recruited to go this um, this elite community college, which from there you would get like a scholarship to go to a four year or, uh, you know, get drafted. And when I got there, probably two, three months later, I got cut. Oh, and 
that was the turning point of my life, not only baseball, but just life in general, because, you know, being the man with whatever you do and then just getting, you know, turned down, you know, it's not a good feeling. You've never experienced that before. So I actually wanted to quit baseball because of how like depressed I was because, you know what I mean? It just, it's just, a, it's like rock bottom. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, I just realized how much I love baseball and that is arguably the best thing that ever happened to me because it taught me how to handle situations when it sucks. And that could apply for sports. It could apply for job. It could apply for a relationship. It could apply for anything. And that was a turning point. I found uh, another community college. I did two years there. I balled out and I got a full ride scholarship to Cal State San Marcos University out in San Diego where I did two years. I balled out. And then afterwards, I continue my coaching career. So I've been coaching for about six to seven years. I've been coaching, instructing, and doing lessons. And the reason why I do that was it was my way of giving back to the community. Like it's always been my message to give back to the community, right? Whether it's a laughter, whether it's education, knowledge, motivation, I've always wanted to impact the the new generation because with the knowledge I have, I'm not I don't want to die with it. I want to give it to, you know, that next guy. Yeah. So with that platform I had, I just wanted more. You know? We need to put that. We need to put that on a shirt or on your next uh, wallpaper that you put out. Like, yeah. Get back. You know that list. Those four lists. We'll have to go back to the audio to get all four. I'm sure you got that written down somewhere. That might be on your dry erase board behind you or it's somewhere. It's instilled, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Just, I wanted to maximize my platform because again, I love my academy, but I wanted more. So me being a, you know, I, I love social media. I actually. About four years ago, I went viral in on Instagram and YouTube doing baseball tricks with four of my friends. That's the pun right there. Five, so five of us. Uh, we did baseball tricks. We grew our account to 30,000 followers in three months. And again, it wasn't, it wasn't the tricks that got me. It wasn't the attention that got me. It was just the, the feedback I got, you know, the motivation I got. Because there's only so much you can get from doing baseball tricks. But actually having conversation with kids and 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 impacting that they they're motivated to go out and play, that's what I that's what I kept at heart. So this January 2018, I started the Baseballologist, and here I am talking to John Sintes on Cutter Nation, baby. Yeah. Well, that's not you know that's not too crazy. I mean, it's just I'm just a dude, you know, like when. <laughs> when people come in and, and they want to work or whatever, it's, you know, I, I always consider myself the same thing. I want to help people. And I really, you know, you being a hitting guy, obviously me being a pitching guy, I really enjoy, you know, I always call it shortcuts or hacks. You know, the word right now on the internet is hacking, you know, and, and I really feel like hacking pitching and helping these kids. And then Saturday, late afternoon, late night, or early evening is it really I start looking at my phone a little bit more because I still the text messages start rolling in you know I got I had a kid this week my kid threw a no hitter John oh yeah oh it's my most recent favorite text I got was um little man did well at the plate by the way do hitting stuff too but not you know don't put it out there I try to stay in my lane much but I can I can swing it you know but so little man do well at the plate had two doubles of plate but that wasn't even the best part Text back. What was the best part? Best part through five innings, struck out eight and made not one but two kids cry. And I said, "Oh my God, that is the best thing I've ever heard." Like I didn't, you know. And he was eight. He was eight. You know, he just dominated. And a lot of people think it. 
And I'm sure you probably heard this too. Like people ask you, what's the earliest age that kids should start getting work and getting lessons? And I'm saying three, like you, you know, like if I can get the kids to get the best information earlier when he goes to practice and I don't know what Tommy Mansky video is floating around at all these little league practices where you're watching kids arm actions and how kids are throwing and you're going like, we are hurting some of these kids on how we're teaching these kids because of this bad information that is being passed along. Exactly. You know, it's, it's very difficult to, for kids to learn how to throw properly when they have the dad or a coach or someone like that going in there and all they're doing, and it's not their fault. It's not the coach's fault because that's what they were taught. They were taught that way. And then they just, it turns into this cycle of, yeah, when you throw your arm hurts. And, you know, like I was telling you earlier when we were off air, I'm 32. I, I threw 157 pitches in a game. Don't recommend that, by the way, to everybody. But we're in the championship. I was in the 10th inning and we lost. You know, <laughs> like how many times do you get to pitch into the 10th inning? You know, I remember the first time I got to pitch into the seventh inning as a high schooler in a tied 0-0 ball game. Yeah. And I was freaking out, like just being like, oh, man. I mean, I'm sorry, not the seventh, the eighth inning, you know. And I was like, uh, am I okay? Can I do this? And I went out, and I was like, yeah, it's just baseball, you know. And so yeah. that process starts to go. So do, do you get do you run into the same situation with, with parents asking you how early should you start? And then what's your opinion on how early should you start? Uh, honestly, just like what you said, as early as possible because – I know parents and coaches, they'll be like, oh, but he's too young to understand. Well, at the end of the day, this kid is a sponge. He's going to learn whatever you put in front of him, right? Mm-hmm. And my opinion about Little League and Pony, because the, the, the game's changed, right? They're, like the talent isn't there anymore in Little League and Pony. You know what I mean? It's all trial ball academies and et cetera. But um, what these guys learn at the age of 3 to 12, 13, 14, there's someone coaching them regardless. Yeah. There's, so, there's someone uh, coaching regardless, and why not be that guy? Why not be that guy at three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, teaching him the fundamentals? Fundamentals. We're not teaching him how to throw curveball. You know, in your case, you're not teaching him how to throw curveballs. You're, you're, you're teaching him how to throw properly off the bump, trying to teach him to throw properly on the bump. Try to, you know, one thing that kids actually, that I kind of slept on for a while you'll be amazed. I don't know if you probably uh, encounter this all the time. Uh, kids that come to my academy about, you know, 12, 13, actually like 11, 12, I'll, I'll see them thrown in the net. And I'm like, why is it move? Like, why is there stuff moving? Like, why isn't it straight? These kids don't know what a four seam is. Yeah, I totally agree. And, 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 and that's like, that's like the epitome of baseball is to throw. And these guys are throwing, you know, two seams. These guys are throwing, you know, um, like palm balls. And I call it the claw with the thumbs on the side. Exactly. The knuckles right here, you know? Exactly. But the, the favored one is throwing a two seam because it, it feels right. You know what I mean? You, yeah. yeah. And that just blows my mind because what if, you know, what if you did lessons at the age of four or five? Now they know how to throw a baseball. And it just, it just, things like that. I can't imagine um, what a kid will um, do if they start at three or four with good training. You know, I think the youngest I've ever taught was seven. And the the uh, the feedback I get is his fundamentals hitting is way advanced from these other kids. And because it's just it's, you know, structured, it's a system. And if kids don't know a system and they just go out there and hack, what are they learning? You know, 
Exactly. I totally agree. Yeah, I run into the same thing. I've got multiple seven-year-olds now. And just on throwing, for example, like you're saying, you know, I had the parents talk about, you know, he's in all-stars. We, we want him to uh, not necessarily, you know, even before all-stars even got there, but we just want him to be able to enjoy the game. That's what one parent told me. And I was like, wow. I was like, wow, that's a great way to look at it. You know, because if he can't make the throw from second base, much less shortstop or third base or even the outfield, he's yeah. not going to enjoy the game because he's going to be throwing kind of funny. The ball's not going to go where he's want to. He's going to get a little discouraged. And I remember this particular seven-year-old, and you can look him up on my page, and I'm so pumped for this kid because he went from throwing the ball. I mean, legitimately struggled to throw the ball 15 feet, 15 feet at seven because of what he's doing. And now he can throw the ball about 85 feet and get on the bump and throw strikes. And it's yeah. only been like two months, you yes. know, and it's so much fun to watch that kid and the smile. Like, do you, that's recently what I've been going on. Have you, when you see the kid, when it clicks, do you get the smile? Is it like, or what, what do you see from the kid? You know, when you ask kid, oh, do you get it? They're like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And that's where they're just like, you know, just saying yes. But when they do it and then you look at them and they're like, yeah, now you get, now you get it. Uh-huh. And then, you know, they'll flex and they'll, they'll you know, do the thing. Yeah. It's, it's a confidence builder. Not yeah, only that, sure. but they're, they're, it just unlocks something in their head. It sounds like you're kind of like me, too, where you're really into positive reinforcement. And, like, there's yeah. one thing that there's a book that I read. Um, you, you know, you, you talking about struggling in your career, too. I struggled in mine. I was, I was unrecruited out of high school, walked onto a junior college. It was the last year of draft and follow. I thought I was a pretty good pitcher in my area. And I, and I felt like I was, and you know, the guys that I talked to, you know, they said that I, that I was too. And there's even people that I knew, you know, me being jealous of situation where they got scholarships, you know, in our, in in our area to go play ball. And I felt like that I threw harder and and were better. And then come to find out I wasn't doing the right things in order to be seen. You know, I thought people were just going to come to the high school, me being from a small area, even though I am from Florida, it doesn't it didn't really resonate to me that I should be out playing in these teams. I thought I was just here, but that was the information that was given to me by my high school coach and stuff like that. Where it's like, ah, oh, you can play too much and this and that you don't want to hurt your arm, blah, blah, blah. And that's a whole nother training side of stuff that I learned from there. But it, it really is fun when you, when you see that kid, it clicks and then it goes. I mean, I think some of my best clients over here are just, they understand now instead of, you know, I actually changed the word lesson um, from what, the guys that I deal with here, and we call it training. Like, yeah. hey, do you want to train with me? Because I, I have 12, 11, 12, 13-year-olds who have been with me for over six, maybe eight, nine months now, and they understand, like, okay, I come in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I get my training in to get ready for my weekend. And they feel so much more confident because they're all of the stuff they're doing, they are able to recover, it's not too much, and yeah. then they can go to their weekend and understand what they're doing. When you know what you're doing, that's where that confidence comes from. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So let's transition a little bit to your, you said your favorite part. I love that you said that was your favorite part, your social media page, which I love. I, I get notifications. I click the three buttons like you told me to, and I get a little button from that. Oh, man. That's an, that's an honor. Phone ring. That's hilarious. I'm actually on remote here, not at my, not at my home where I normally do it. We got to. Hey, that's, that's good business, John. Yeah, I know. Um, Just hang it up. Yeah, for sure. That's what, hold on, give me a second. Yeah. There we go. All right, sorry about that. Okay, so anyway, we were saying. John, kids want to yeah. train. What are you hanging up for? Well, well, first of all, not my facility. <laughs> uh, second of all, don't interrupt my podcast. You know what I mean? Well, you're hanging out with my boy over here. The, <laughs> the man. Um, okay, so 
looking at scrolling through your awesome page, I love all your stuff, and I noticed some stuff when we were talking about it too. I think that you are kind of like me on this, where some of these products that you promote, you really believe in them, and I really think that that is something underrated um, because I don't feel like anything that you put on there, plate crate, you know, your shoes, uh, the sandals we were talking about, the awesome Rolling sandals that came out, the gear, the shirts, the hats, everything. It really honestly looks from an outsider's view that you believe it, you love the stuff that's on there. So take us through what 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 got you inspired to kind of do that? So um, the baseball, just it's, it's obviously a lifestyle of mine, and I'm trying to show the lifestyle of baseball, right? And through my lifestyle, through instructing, through entertainment, through being funny, through uh, motivational, I just wanted products to reflect me. And don't get me wrong, I still rock other products, um, but you know, there, there's main ones where I really want to rock. So for me to rock Baseball Lifestyle 101, it just reflected the lifestyle of just baseball in the community. And you know what? When there's a brand, you got to explain. It's like, oh, this means this means this means this, this. But when it came when it came to baseball lifestyle one one, it was like, oh shoot, it's I get it. It's yeah. that's just a lifestyle, and I like that, you know. And it, it really represented me and uh, Josh, been a really good friend of mine for about four or five years. So it just clicked really well, and that's why Rock Baseball lifestyle one one, really good products. Got shirts, hats, sandals, boat shoes. Um, the sandals we're talking about are these bad boys, right? But these I are love the seams on them. Can you show the seams to everybody? Because like. I'm obsessed with the seam. And you know what? I had an idea for what how they did it before I put my hats out with the seams. Yeah. They just beat me to it. Uh, and it was just – it's very well executed on their hats. Yeah, They're those are beautiful, seams. man. Printed. They're actual seams. Yeah. So the texture's right there. So you could uh, teach kids how to throw a fort, uh, you know, splitter or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, and with on that, you always send out um, – or you're, you're asking for codes and you're trying yeah. to help people out and stuff like that. Um, and for everybody that, that, that's watching this, DM my man right here because he'll definitely hook you up with a discount code. Oh, yeah. Appreciate that, man. You know, I, I, only, I, I like exclusivity, you know, so um, just exclusive deals. And I think that, that just makes things, uh, you know, fun. Yeah, um, exactly. it makes a personal connection with yeah. whoever's DMing you or whatever's going on. And you just feel like you're hooking a friend up. You know, everybody likes to to feel like someone's got your back. And I, and I feel like that's what you're, you're really doing out there on that. Exactly. And you know, um, a lot of kids, uh, when they, add, they want something that, uh, when they ask their parents there, there's that, there's that block where, Oh, you know, we, you don't want that. But when I give them like a, a review or a product review or an actual, like, you know, information, you know, uh, through messages, it just makes the, you know, there's more connection and makes the, the consumer more comfortable and confident in, in purchasing through you. So yeah, and I I'm think that the way you're doing that, um, a little bit influencer style, and you know, you really have a good model. I think we were talking about a buddy of mine that does the same thing kind of in the tech world, you know, with the reviews and stuff, but you know, people trust you and, and with your opinion and what you're doing. And you know, I hope more companies reach out to you to try to, you know, send you stuff so you can use your actual review on stuff to show them that way. Because it's one thing if it comes from a company, you know, it's a whole nother thing when it comes from a guy who uses it every day, who vouches for it. Like, yeah. hey, this is what I I love this product. Like, this yeah. is me, you know, and that's where we were talking about that podcast earlier, that kind of that style of, of love I really try to put out is, is something that I think we miss in the in the product world of baseball, okay. where it's like, 
you know, you get your baseball express magazine or whatever you're going to do and you scroll through everything and you look at it, but you really have no idea what the difference in those bats or gloves or apparel are. It just says something on there. And then you got Ken Griffey Jr. on there saying, I, you know, I swing Nike bats or whatever it is. And you're like, okay, cool. Well, Griffey does it. You know what I mean? And so it's a whole other thing when it comes from, you know, I, I, I hope, I think, you know, I hope you're not offended by this, but I feel like you feel like me, like we're just regular dudes. Like we're just a couple yeah. regular dudes who love to play the game and like to hack it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So I'm trying to promote this, these products in more of a personal basis and really showcase that, Hey, I really love this tea or really love this product, really love these shoes. And I really do rock it. <laughs> What are all the lists of stuff that you put on there? Cause I, you know, I can see it on here, but it'd be better if it came from you. So I got, uh, you talking about the companies I've been rocking lately. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, baseball, I sell one-on-one, uh, plate crate and cage pro T. So if people don't know what plate crate is, plate crate is pretty cool. Plate crates. Like a, it's like a, a subscription box you get monthly. It's, I call it Christmas every single month but with baseball gear yeah, and for sure. I'm, I'm a believer not believer but i i'm a kid at heart you know that's something that, I, that i'll never lose um but i love surprises and i love uh new things you know i'm not a materialistic guy don't get me wrong but when it comes to new things surprises every single month and it's baseball stuff uh i'm i'm, I'm all for it well, i think there's one thing of being materialistic but there's a whole other thing of being it within the 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 lane that you yeah. enjoy you know what i mean like yes you know yeah. girls are obsessed with shoes guys are obsessed with shoes You're, we're just obsessed with baseball exactly and we just want to have cool stuff that we like that feels good just like your cutter nation tee that you can get on my website you know yeah. we have all kinds of things you know i've got about 25 different designs on there i'll talk to you later but i have some ideas on some stuff with that too maybe we can do a collab with the baseball okay. lifestyle guys and stuff i'm sure they okay. would love to do some stuff like that um now the um the other thing that you do on your page too which i really like which i, I would call this a little bit of showing off which you should do because you do have hands you got handles got the stick that goes on there but you actually demonstrate um what you believe in also which i think is very rare also in, in the world of coaching and stuff, you see a lot of what I call a bucket coach or, you know, people go on there and it, you're constantly swinging, you're constantly, you know, working on your short hops, you know, on your stuff from there. And, you know, you can really see that you're using, you know, one of the videos I'm looking at right now, you're using your cage pro T uh, as well as, you know, promoting your baseball lifestyle shirt and all this stuff on there. And it's, it all makes sense. You know, you, you look like a ball player, you look yeah. like you're serious. And I don't think, you know, even kids that understand when they walk into a room, what the first impression really does to another person, much less a coach. Yes. Yes, yes. I mean, as me as a coach, I want, or anybody that walks in even here to, to work with me, if you're wearing jeans and sandals and a cutoff shirt, I don't think that you're going to be in there. You know, and there's a kid that it was kind of funny that reminded me. There's a kid that I, I just started working with, monster, 13 year old, uh, cut off sleeves, hair gel, basketball shoes. Now I, I'm not against the basketball shoes. I understand. You know, sometimes you get have some swaggy kicks. I, I'm with you. You know, me being a co-owner of Caliente cleats, I'm all about the conversion system and everything. Yeah. There. You know, we'll get into that another time. But no, hat, no sleeves though. That's, that's a different. Yeah. Story. Hey, and not even like a bro tank. Just like a straight cut off shirt. Yeah. You know, not, not like I, you know, we can't afford 
you know, uh, like a, a shirt. It's a tank top. No, it's like I cut it off before this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. hundred percent. And so, you know, I, I went with the obvious movie reference, you know, we wear caps and sleeves in this league and he didn't even get it, which hurt me, which means that I don't know if we got to get Wesley Snipes and all those guys back in Charlie on board. But we might, yeah, Charlie Sheen. We got to get, we got to get another, there needs to be another legendary major league movie coming out that, that actually, you know, brings some good, good press to it because I, I'm sure you did it, but every rally that we had when I was in college was the old bounce, bounce, knee flip, you know, that, you know, with the hat backwards, you know, they, they did a great job in that movie, just, you know, attacking all the genres and all the superstitions that are just ridiculous, you know, that you hear every day. Oh, yeah. They, they definitely need a new one because I would love because, I mean, you know, us being in the game, we see it, but I'd love for someone to capitalize on it and show off like the the new trends nowadays, you know? All right, that's it. We're doing it. We're doing it. Call up Baseball Lifestyle. We're writing our own movie. We're going to make a real one, right? And we're just going to combine. This could be the greatest idea of all time. We're going to combine every aspect that we like. So let's go through this. I'm stealing the love story for love of the game because a lot of people don't know this. Baseball players are romantic. Like, yeah. if you're not romantic about baseball, like, that chick right there needs to be right there with you and be romantic. So. Yeah. What are you contributing to this baseball movie that we're making? I would have to go with one of my – probably my favorite uh, baseball movie of all time, which is Angel in the, Angels in the Outfield. Okay. All right. So what are you stealing from there? The kid's story? I'm stealing – no, no, no. Wait, wait. The kid's story? Yeah. yeah. Which part of the Angels in the Outfield? You going with the, you going with the signal? You going with the wave I'm, signal? I'm going with the, the – uh, the way you know the, the 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 wings yeah i also like the uh the puns like go home yeah go home yeah, yeah. Go, go, home. Home. go home go home go home go home <laughs> and then he went straight home and it was it was like the cutest funniest thing you've probably ever seen because you know us that's a language we say go home but we never we we're like oh shoot literally i mean you know so that's one but this the thing that really got me uh why angels and outfield is one of my favorite movies is because you know the uh, the crazy things that they did, like diving plays. But uh, what's the what's what's the actor's name? McConaughey. Center yeah, Matthew center McConaughey. Fielder. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know that Matthew McConaughey was center fielder, the athletic blonde, long hair dude. Yeah. One of my favorite things in that movie was when he was tracking down a ball that he was gonna get beat, and uh, and I think it was an angel. No, two angels picked him up by the his two arms, and he jumps, yeah, yeah. and he just flies, and he's he's in mid jump. He's like, so now we need a wire system. system. We need good actors. We need a wire system. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess um, what I took out of that was you could make the impossible happen. That was just my thing. So yeah. in my house, I would throw the balls and dive, you know, in my in the couch. My mom would hate it. But that was one of my favorite movies because it brought the imagination out of me and made the impossible happen. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Let's go back to me. There's a couple. There's a couple of them that I, I think I'm gonna. Everybody loves a good comeback story too. So I think I'm gonna steal the uh, the Freddie Prince Jr. style from Summer Catch. Okay. And see what we can do with that. You know, maybe follow the career to see what you know. The kid gets hurt. Or you get. You know, he's got a bad attitude. Yeah. You know, he's got to get humbled by the game. You know, I think that could yeah. be. I think we, Matt, we. When we get off air, we gotta really sit down and think we can do this. This could be. This could be some kind of very fun situation that we've. That skeleton Netflix, man. Yeah, 
We could put it actually, you know, we could be the workaholics of baseball. I don't know if you know their story, but they made their own series, put it on YouTube, and then Comedy Central bought it, took it off YouTube, yeah. reshot the whole thing, and then they, they just, uh, you know, you know, uh, the college OCC, Orange Coast College, uh-huh. they went there and they just got inducted to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's I, cool. I don't know if they graduated there, so that's the funny thing. It's, do you really need to graduate to learn something? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. That's one of the hardest things about like promoting kids to go to college baseball when you on the other side of it and you understand like you do learn a lot about life and things to do there, but the education, the things that you go into it, it's very it's a completely different thing. I think it's completely necessary. It's just yeah. very weird, you know. Me being, I, I spent five years uh, with two different schools, and I had a fifth year senior year, and it was very cool for me to, you know, it, you like social media and stuff and that too. I went to a particular department and told them. I'm not graduating. I have this much money for my scholarship. Yeah. These are the things that I want to learn. What classes do I take? And yeah. I, it was kind of cool because of the guy who was the head of department was like, well, you're going to take this, this, and this, and this, and it's all going to be with me. I'm like, cool. All right. We're already on the same page. And so hey, if you, you know, can a lot of the, to the average kid, yeah, school system would be easier or, oh, for sure. easier, you know, so that, that's, that's another topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that could get hot. Yeah. We, Hey, we, we always like, spirals yes. tree out from everything that we're doing it's very yeah. it's always fun to talk to you man so all right cool so let's get back to this awesome instagram page because actually you know what let's talk a little bit more about your baseball lifestyle connection right there and that you know okay. you're friends with those guys and i definitely see you know there's definitely some cross promoting and stuff from there how did that relationship start and you know do you guys kind of push each other to motivate motivate each other to post better because that's what i see sometimes where it's like all right, I see this. So I'm gonna go with that and see what we can do. You know. Uh, well, him and I go. Josh and I go way back. Uh, like it's probably 2015, so four years ago. Like I said, uh, I, me, four of my friends, we we broke the internet. You know, uh, 30,000 followers in three months. That's something. You know, and through that, I met Josh, baseball lifestyle 101. Uh, one, still one of the biggest accounts. Then he had probably had 200,000 followers. He already hit 500,000 probably two months ago. And he was one of our guys that posted us. And through that, because I was the guy who managed our Instagram, I was the one talking to people. You know, I'm the one who made the connections. And then that whole that whole uh, summer died and the whole account died because of the, you know, people didn't want to take it seriously. But through that, Josh and I actually have, uh, we connect our personal accounts, still staying well connected because we didn't have a talk when I was talking. We did have the same mindset, same uh, type of language, and we just kind of kept up in touch. And then came know, September of last year. I was like, I called him up. I was like, Yo, you, you got uh, some time? He's like, What's up? And I said, Hey, I got something coming. He's like, Really? I was like, I got something coming. He's like, What is it called? I was like, Don't worry, I got something coming. Just be on the lookout. And so um, when I posted it, I didn't add him. I actually wanted him to kind of find me, you know, like just, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just to really see if this is working. So I think he added me maybe a month after, you know, I, I, I started baseball just this January. And then he's like, dude, let's get it. So um, I, it's kind of funny how things kind of, um, you know, came full circles when I told him September, October, and then came February He's like, oh, shoot, like it's happening. You know, that's yeah. the kind of guy I am is I like telling people, holding um, holding them accountable for me and then actually uh, executing. So that's what happened. And then um, we, we kind of came up with this whole, you know, I, I rep him and 
I've been rocking the whole baseball lifestyle one-on-one, but when it comes to posting, there's no competition. It just, <laughs> we're, 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 we're young guys. We're young guys really just trying to push out the community, trying to, trying to push out the message. And, and, and if it seems like competition, then shoot, man, it's good competition, you know? Dude, who doesn't who love, love competition? competition? Yeah, it's great competition. So at the end of the day, it's, it's all about the community and that, that's what I'm about. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I can really tell that with your page when you're looking at the stuff. It's, it's, it's fun for guys to be able to see the difference in, in pages. And I've never been more excited about baseball. You know, it, this is probably the first summer in, I don't know, six or seven years that I haven't been playing. So I've been actually been able to watch baseball on TV yeah. instead of catching late night highlights, catch yeah. things live and there. And I just feel like social media has been growing so nicely to be able to almost summarize the games and the day and you yeah. can catch Oh, this sick play. I mean, that, that play with Gary Sanchez the other day where Chapman threw 100 off the wall and yeah. it bounced right back to him. You know, there's little things that you see in there. Like, for example, if you go rewatch it, the guy that you posted that you want to try to watch a game with, uh, what's his name? The the Marlins guy? Marlins guy. Um, is that what his name? Marlins guy? Uh, it's uh, it's something Levy. His yeah. last name is Levy, but his name is, name is Marlins guy. And if people don't know who that, that guy is, that guy became popular probably three, four years ago. Literally – he wears an orange Marlins jersey with an orange Marlins uh, visor, and he goes to, I would say, majority of all the big games on TV, on national television. So yeah. for baseball, it was, uh, you know, Yankees versus Astros. But then, say baseball's done, he'll go to the, actually, he'll go to the finals for NBA. He'll go to the Super Bowl. He'll go to et cetera. And, yeah. But, yeah, I do want to watch it. Get that guy on the podcast. You and I, we got to reach out. The internet. Yeah. Uh, help us internet and we got to get that guy because i just want to find out what's going through his head like i don't know anything about him but i remember him i think it was a couple home run derbies ago and they're like they he was in there and like the camera was enamored with him as, as everybody else was we're like look at this guy you know like or maybe it's playoffs or something but he just totally yeah. looked out of you know out of character of where he was supposed to be well, you he, know he became popular for what i remember is in 2014 who won it do you know was it red sox 14, yeah, yeah, right. No, it's uh, it was uh, Giants, yeah, not 14, but 15 when Royals won it. Okay, that's when I think he'd be pushed out because I remember Royals versus I forgot who it was, but it was just an orange guy in a sea of blue, and that's what I think pushed him out. And yeah, and, and he not only gets seats like you know, dug out, he gets seats right behind the backstop, like first seat, so yeah. Dude, dude knows what he's doing. Dude is definitely StubHub champ for sure. But the thing is, he's not doing it. He, like he's not promoting anything. You know, he's he's nothing. Like he, he, you know what he is, right? You know what his what he does for a living? No, I don't. Help me out. He owns his own uh, firm. Uh, I think he's a lawyer. I think he has, he owns his own firm. He's just a baseball fan. Sports fan. I, I, okay, yeah. baseball fan and then sports fan. Oh, okay, so he does goes to other – does he have an Instagram? Do we know? Yeah, it's called Marlins underscore man. I'm pretty sure. Okay, let's, let's, let's confirm this. Marlins underscore – see, that's Lawrence Levy. Yeah. Yep, here he is, 37,000. He's a food fan, sports fan. He likes Dalmatians. Yeah, and uh, he's a big supporter – I think he says 9-11 should be uh, um, like for Firefighters Day or something like that. National holiday or something. That's cool. Yeah, yeah just another good baseball guy. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so let's move on to some more 
fun topics. So strategy-wise in baseball, I have some ideas and some things I want to ask you as being a hitting guy. If you're building a client up or a student, whoever you want, and what do you think you should focus on first? Strength or technique? Technique. And I'll tell you and why. why. And why. I know you. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <clears throat> technique first, because strength, it's hard to build strength without using the right technique. That's that's my that's my concept is it's it's hard to muscle ball when you're not using your legs or you're not using your core, but you're using upper body. So I like to teach the fundamentals of hitting. And fun to me, there's no right way of hitting, right? It's what works and it's and how you can adjust and how you can let them utilize their whole body from ground up, right? So um, I, would, I would first see the way they hit, right? And, and obviously it differs from their age. If, they, if they're a certain age, like say really young, then if they really need to tune up and you need to give them like a stance and, and like type of uh, concept of hitting, then that's fine. But when they're like 13, 14, 15, and this guy is a bigger guy, this guy's a power guy, this guy's a leadoff guy, this guy's et cetera, now you kind of monetize through their style of hitting, right? So I would go technique first, and through that, now they, just like what you said, they come in and train. They, they don't need to learn. They just know what to do. So now when I could teach them to how to hit, now it's easier to make adjustments to, hey, let's build strength here. Let's build, let's build this. Let's build this. All right, let's, let's twist this up. Remember I told you step here or timing here? All right, let's go a little, you know, things like that. So I, tr I try to build a foundation first of hitting, which is technique. So now him and I or him and her or me and her would ha be on the same page of hitting, same language. Now adjustments are easier to build uh, through technique or through uh, strength. So a sub question, part A, when would you let the strength become a priority? When you see that they are consistent with their technique, right? Like I'll have uh, like today I have an eight year old. And he is learning quicker than a lot of my 10-year-olds. So now, um, just last week, we worked on a little more strength than technique. So it, it just it depends on pace. You know, I, I had a 12-year-old. It probably took about, you know, five, six to 10 lessons to, for him to really get down a pure, um, consistent swing with his technique. And then now, for him to get it, we're, we're on power now and strength. So I, I, I just, it just depends on their, uh, their level and how fast they're learning. Depends on the situation of the athlete. That's what I always say on everything too. It's one of the things that I run into with the velocity side on guys and stuff. And, and that'll be my next question when we get there, just one second. But the, the part B of that being, how do you balance the strength and the technique side of it for these kids because you hear all the time you have to get stronger get stronger get stronger but a lot of people don't look at mm, how much time am i putting into this or how much i'm doing that because i think that there's with with throwing there is a point of throwing too much in a day not that you're not going to keep repeating your technique and yeah. your motion but there is you need to save some of that energy you only have so much energy in a day in yeah. order to be able to get over to that strength side yeah do you so, agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I had another thought and I blanked on it. Um, Lamborghini drove by and distracted me. Yeah. <laughs> happens. I don't even know why I was around here. It cracked <laughs> me up. Um, so, okay. So next question. 
Okay. With the technique, with the strength and the stuff in there, could you give me, let's say, three exercises that you that are kind of like your favorite for a hitter um, or a rotational athlete is what I like to call it because I feel like a lot of the exercises that I do for pitching are, are very similar to hitting that kind of are maybe like a sweet spot, a basis of foundation and stuff from there that can really help you with your hitting. So three techniques? Uh, three exercises, you know, from there, outside okay. of the cage. Three techniques outside the cage. Okay. So uh, not in order. This just kind of popped up to me. But something I learned in um, in college was one of my coaches, or actually my coach was an uh, instructional hitter for Red Sox, right? So the way he applied hitting or BP was pro style. And something that I really liked in BP was how many rounds do you think you take? Three or four, yeah. Like, like, say for like, if uh, if it's a game day, probably three or four, maybe four rounds, right? So, a lot of coaches, what they do when they throw, they just throw four rounds, and you just kind of you get your hacks in. And what I noticed with him, he had different rounds. So the first round would be, you know, bunt and then hit and run. So that's just a way of kind of getting like in, in the gist of things. But what I really loved about his concept was the like the first or second round when you're really hitting, you know, after hit and run, he threw middle away. And I like that. I liked just getting really long. And he said, don't even hit, don't hit 100%. Just let the ball get deep, track it, step, and just go 70, 75, you know, percent. And I like that. So the reason why I like that a lot is because when I go to games like MLB games, I actually love watching BP. And you'll see power hitters. You'll see majority of the hitters first round. They'll just step, let the ball tr- uh, get deep, and take it the other way. And that's that's the reason they want to see the ball long. They want to see the ball deeper. They want to let the ball travel. So what I got out of the concept was he said it's easier to um, adjust to inside after you know after you have this uh, this practice of letting the ball get deep. So my point is a lot of coaches will tell you, hey, just hack away. Now you're pulling. Now you're, you know, you're, you're majority pulling and you're not really um, getting any better because you're not tracking ball longer. So that'd be one is you said outside the cage is letting the ball get deep, going middle way on your first round. Don't go 100%. Like I do, I do um, like a workout every Friday with my kids, two hours of hitting in the cages. And these guys are hitting 100% and pulling. It's like, what are we working on? You know, uh-huh. so that's one. Are you saying all everything BP or no? No, I mean just anything. You know, bands, medicine balls, gym, anything. You know. Okay. So anything for- that we can recommend on guys. You know, that was a good technique. You know, for preparation and stuff. From there, you got two and two other things that you'd like to recommend. Yeah. So uh, something a lot of people talk about timing, right? Um. And they talk about you. How do you use like a, a donut? How do you use like you know the, just that that weird? How do you use a, a weighted bat? So a technique I used to do is: Have you ever heard of the technique of using a fungo while getting ready uh, to to hit? Yeah, the bat speed. Yeah, bat speed. Right. So what I did in high school and college was I heard people that did weighted bat. Then when I brought up the fungo, they're like, "Dude, you're weird." But when I when I told them the concept of bat speed, uh, quick hands, they're like, "Oh, I get it." Right. So what I used to do is I used to say, I'm a leadoff, right? I'm a leadoff hitter. When pitchers like maybe not even out in the bump yet, I'll get my fun or I'll get my, uh, my weighted bat and I'll warm up kind of like a David Eckstein, right? I'd warm yeah. up, I'd swing, right? 
I think the the uh, the mistake that people do is they use that weighted bat to time the pitcher, which is totally to me is totally off. You're not you know you're not going to hit against the guy with a weighted bat. So you just want to get the idea of you have uh, um, something heavy. So now once that happens, what I used to love doing is right when the pitcher's about to uh, start warming up, I used to put down the fun or put put down the weighted bat, get the fungo, and time the pitcher. That was one of my practices right there is uh, go from heavy now to really light a feather, time the guy, probably three or four pitches, and then go to my bat and time him right there. That's a great example of a weighted bat system that yes. you don't really see a lot of um, with that. And I think the underloading is what it's called. Uh, underload training is a very under-practiced uh, technique. And we, we kind of do the same thing with weighted balls here where – you know, and I've got, and now, and honestly, you know, for what you're saying, I really like how you're doing because you kind of do it the way I do it, where you take ownership in like what you're doing, where you're saying it's like this isn't the best way to do it. This isn't, you know, the MLB way. This is the way I do it. Like this yeah. is just my favorite way of doing it. And then that example with those exact, and that's exactly the same way I train the guys. Where if there's something that's out on the internet, like you, you know, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the PVC pipe and the stuff and the hitting and the stuff that I see on there, and I like it. Uh, you know, not being a hitter, but I think it's just great for feels and the things. Now you're seeing extra long PVC pipes, trying to get yeah. people to feel stuff and go from there. And that, you know, the PVC pipe even being lighter than a baseball, you know, a fungo really is is interesting in the progression of the game. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. one more. I got you on the spot for one more. I'm going to go. Go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. You're right, you're right. Something I, I learned in college. All right, I know you didn't say uh, – cage work but this is something that really kind of unlocked the power because i'm five nine right not a big guy but this really helped me with unlocking my power and it's the happy gilmore concept right and what the, what how you play it is actually here ironically i have okay so i have a t right here right so what you do is you stand back probably like three or four feet if you don't if you haven't seen happy gilmore watch happy gilmore you understand okay but you send three or four feet back have your bat out Take one, uh, take like one step, launch up, and put your leg up, and actually drive through the ball. And I'm, the the whole point, it's kind of like the soft, you know, like hitting in uh, slow pitch softball. Yeah. So I'm not teaching to hit like that, but what that teaches is it unlocks the power in your lower half, just like what Happy Gilmore did, right? He used his whole body. So not only you're using your lower half, now you're unlocking power to generate from ground up, from your lower half to your core, to er basically using everything right that's probably one of my favorite drills to do because there they could be very chaotic they could be very wild but th from there you could kind of just um let the, let it be known that you could use that you could use that power and then from there kind of tune it up and you know hit stationary not like have to go more <laughs> yeah no I, I the same thing with a lot of the stuff's going on with a lot of people matter of fact i got a dm from a guy yesterday talking about how running guns are bad or this and that. But if you don't understand what it's for, for example, like that hitting drill in comparison, a shuffle fire or really getting more momentum to yeah. understanding to try to control your body through the yes. sequencing and making sure you're doing it correctly. So the end result is, you know, I'm not quite sure what you're looking for in the cage, but for, for what we're trying to do with the shuffle fire is still being able to throw the ball where you want to, because if you don't yes. sequence correctly and you don't move your body in the correct sequence, the ball will go up or down or left or right when it's not supposed to. Yes. Yes. So for you, you do the same thing, but still be controlled. 
Um, for me, I would do the same thing. Just let them have uh, not fun, but let them go crazy. Let them really just unlock everything. And then from there, Hey, let's go up the middle. Try to hit, you know, that middle, that middle pole and, you know, up the cage, you know, things like that, things like that. So, yeah. Okay, cool. That's, that's cool. It's, it's a very different, uh, technique, but yet the concepts and the, and the movement of the body are very similar between the two positions. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's move on. So infield stuff you see a lot of guys i you put something out there that i used to do at the end of every practice and i didn't realize this but obviously i'm not into a lot of practices i don't really coach any teams and everything but me throwing out a quick hand drill uh just quick hands quick feet even for pitchers for my guys here just trying to be athletes and be quick and stuff i don't really see that anymore with guys you don't really see a pop feet i don't know what you called it but we called it quick hands, pop feet, quick hands, pop feet. And just yeah. how quickly can you get rid of it? And then you would challenge your, you know, your partner to see how long you guys could go, who was going to drop yeah. it first, turn it into yeah. a competition, you know? Exactly. Um, wait, so it's a question. So no, I was saying, is that a drill that you like over there yeah. with you? Because I saw you do that with, you know, I think you did it in the cage or something from there or yeah. something from there. Is that something that, could you explain what, what you're trying to do with the technique um, when, when you're doing that drill? So, uh, first off, yes, I did it since I was 12 years old. And, uh, if you don't know what John's talking about, it's when you warm up, you know, say long after going long toss, then your guy slowly comes in. And then once you're about, I don't know, 20 feet away, then you go quick hands. And what John's trying to say is you just, him and I will go quick hands back and forth, back and forth transition. Throw, and then as you keep going, you'll probably throw a little harder, a little faster until someone screws up and you just. You claim victory. You call it. You call it. Call it. Yeah, you're yeah. Done, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, and the reason why it's fun is because majority of the time as an infielder, you warm up with another infielder. So it's just, it's fair, it's fair game. But uh, as far as that is, I love doing that for my kids warming up because it's like, it's like teaching them a drill without them realizing it. You know, it's like a subliminal thing to where it'll just kind of grow on you. Kind of like what you said, you did it, but you didn't realize like, you know, you did through over time. And what I like doing is I like showcasing that because right now with the videos I'm teaching, I'm it's not advanced stuff. That's why people will be like, oh, it's it's uh that's easy. That's fine. I never said it was hard, you know. But with the 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 videos I'm teaching or the videos I'm pushing out, it's like I'm teaching like the little kids. And I don't care if high school kids or college kids are watching, it's a good refreshment uh tip. Yeah. You know? So information's information. Information like, information's good, like that I, I love that you said that right there too, because some people take advantage of these fundamental drills and don't understand what it's really doing for you. Being able to, you know, be loose and quick and enjoy your transfer and be able to get your feet to line up and try to throw the ball perfect as fast and as loose as you can and yep. and how many times in a row you can do it. Exactly. Like I, I put out two YouTube videos. One was quick hands, literally what we're talking about. And the other one was like, uh, I think it was on my Instagram, like just how to pick, right? Like short hops. And I guess the message I'm trying to portray is I'm so comfortable with my hands that I could do it behind my back. I could do it under my legs. I could do it with no, lo you know, not looking. It's just, it's showing that, hey, I don't play anymore, but I could still do it because it's not, it's a thing that you're supposed to do every single day and you get comfortable doing that. And that's what I want people to, to, to understand is if you do it consistently every single day or every time you throw, it leads to your cockiness. It leads to you being confident with doing stupid stuff like that. You know, it's not me showboating. It's me showing if I can do it, you guys can do it. Yeah, that's a, that gives me to another question that I just thought about because I think confidence 
How do you think that confidence is acquired by a baseball player? How do you think confidence is acquired over a baseball player? Repetition over time. So if you are confident in pitching, you don't just gain it. You would practice what you need to practice on. And then once you can execute in practice and apply that same mentality, same practice in from practice a game, that's what confidence built or is, is built. Like I remember I had a kid ask me, oh, actually literally yesterday, he said, hey, how come I, I pitch so well with my dad in the backyard, but in the game, I, I he literally said I suck. And I said, dude, um, I, Wait, I, Lionitis. yeah. And I questioned him. I was like, Hey, I think his name was, uh, Trent, no, Caden, Caden, you know, that same comfort, you know, that same comfort feeling or comfortability feeling you have in the, in the, in the backyard. He's like, yeah, you know, that same confidence you have, you know, that same, that good feeling you have. He's like, yeah. I was like, can you do me a favor? He's like, what's up? Can you take that same mentality and apply it in this, in the game? And, and because at the end of the day, confidence is a mindset, right? Confidence is a, is a mindset to know that you're, you're confident with your own abilities. So that's why they say practice like it's a, it's a game. Because if you can execute it during practice, you can execute, uh, execute it during the game, you know? And it, it starts with how, um, how soon you do it. How, how, how soon can you uh, visualize um, that, that, that scene, right? And a, another good practice, what I like saying is, uh, who won the World Series? Altuve, Correa, the Astros, right? Yeah. I think only two guys on that team made the World Series prior. I think it's Verlander and uh, Beltron, if I'm correct. Yeah. But why did Correa, why did Altuve, why did everyone else play like they've been there before? Because they've thought of it before. Yeah. Period. They visualized. They, they visualized. They understand, they understand they were going to be there. In, in, in concept of basketball – why can certain players be clutch in the, you know, what, three, two, one? Why? Because in their backyard, give them ball. Three, two. Yeah. Do it before. So it's not just you doing it and have fun. It's you doing it, applying it, and getting ready for that moment of, you know, time. Yeah, and the same thing on the pitching side. I try to tell kids, you know, oh, I really pride myself on the consistency and the confidence of the kids who are consistent with me and they're taken out in the games because they – the autopilot, what I call autopilot, and those kids to get into is very fun to get as a pitcher. When you can throw the ball as hard as you want or as soft as you want and it goes where you want to, that yeah. execution of that process is so much fun. And then once you understand that when I increase my velocity and I know what I'm doing and I trust the process and I do everything right and I don't hurt, my arm feels good, and I'm able to go out and strike out 12, 15, 100 guys, whatever you're going to do, that's where I think that confidence and the consistency of that is, is definitely acquired. Now, with that being said, part two of this question, what do you think is a – everybody runs into cracks in their confidence, cracks in their, their situation, uh, doubting yourself. Okay. How would you recommend to a young guy in order to be able to reacquire – that confidence to 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 reset to get back to that good thing that you that that they know is going to help them succeed in the situation easy i always i'm always a believer in the why right i'm, I'm pretty sure you know where i'm going with this the why so you know say i i build someone's uh character or build someone's confidence and that's fine people crack and people get nervous game seven uh, championship game right but 
if I feel a little fear, feel a little, you know, any little edge, I always ask them, John, think back to why that, why you're here. Think back to why you practice. Think back to why you even came here. Why did you even put it, you know, put on your pants? Why are you driven to even show up? And they'll 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 say, oh, I, I need a scholarship. Oh, I'm doing it for my dad. Oh, I I, I love this game. Oh, I want to go pro. Oh, I want to make a difference. All right, you just answered why you what you're gonna pitch and 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 execute this game. You now remind yourself why the heck you're here. So right. now what that does, it's like, and, and that, that's my way of overcoming whatever is in front of me is, oh, I need to feed my family. I need to feed, you know, this. I, I need to take care of this bill. I need to do this. And, and when that happens, when you remember that, everything kind of takes, you know, yeah. um, wipes out of the picture. And that's confidence. You know, th that, that's what really motivates me is I do it for the people. I do it for the community. And I do it for my family. I do it for my name. I do it for everything. And when stupid stuff happens, I don't care because that's just a little, that's a little thing that's in the, that's a little bump in the road that's in the way that you could just overcome easily with that mentality. Okay. I love that. And I'm going to, and I'm going to build on that because there's a technique that I learned in one, one of those books that I was telling you I was reading. Um, and it's called, it's human highlight reel. And what I like about it, it, about this technique, I need the book's called 10 minute toughness. It's like only, it's only like a 200 page book. Very good. Awesome refresher. Um, it's kind of funny. There's a track guy on the front of the cover, but 90% of the book is baseball references. It's kind of funny. Yeah. But that being said, let me ask, I'll, I'll use this uh, teaching tool for you right here. So this is, this is a great, awesome tool. If you were to build, let's say, let's take hitting for that situation right there. If you were to build a top five memory bank of yourself of five situations where you executed perfectly, uh, whether it was a double, a home run, a single, or even if you're taking a pitch, right? Those top five things of your career, what would they be? Give me one minute. I already got two. So let's go with top three. How about top three? Gosh, I was excited for five, but <laughs> I will do that though. All right. So not in order. Um, I remember it was like championship game and I was struggling and it was like second and third and we needed those two runs. I think it was for the game, you know, uh, a game winner or something. And I was hitting and defensive coach or the coach for the team called timeout. And my guy, my, like, like a mentor to me, he's like, Hey, come over here. Let's talk. And I was like, and I was nervous, you know, because it's just a, mo a moment I've never been, you know, been a part of. And he's like, how do you feel? I was like, uh, you know, just nervous. And he's like, hey, you can do this. I want you to pull the ball down the left field line. Score the guy. Just pull the ball. Well, with it outside, pull the ball, right? And I don't know why he said that. He just pulled the ball. And kid you not, that, that moment, it was, it was my way of visualizing what the heck to do. And uh, I pulled the ball down the line. First base and dove, missed it. We won the game. And so that moment was a moment where I realized visualization is key. If you could think it, you could do it. You know, I, there's this uh, famous quote I always think of. It's, uh, if you see it in your head, you could hold it in your hand. Mm, right? Like yeah. If you see it in your head, you could hold it in your hand. If you imagine it, you could, you could, you could hold it, whether it's tangible of a, of a product or something, or if you could, uh, you could do it physically. That made me a believer. 
So then now another another situation is when I was older. So that's when I was 12. But when I was older, 14, 15 years old, another coach taught me about visualization and actually applying it or doing it and then applying it. Because then is that when I did it, but here's when I actually practice it. You know, after uh, you warm up, play catch, everything, do you have that like that 15 minute downtime before the game? Yeah. Where you could do sprints, you could stretch, you could whatever you want to do. As a pitcher, you probably just rest. You know, you just probably think, right? So our coach told us, hey, go to the um go to the outfield and he brought us in the outfield and we all laid down on our on our backs in a circle and he told you about visualization visualization. He told us, hey, Think of a place where you could be relaxed. Mine was the beach. Mine was on the pier, right? And and once you relax, now that same mentality, that same mindset, apply that to the game. And you're like, okay. So now when you're in the game, apply every single moment you did really well, just like what you're saying right now. Every single moment you did really well, whether it's a double, whether it's a single, a home run, uh, you know, you pitching a really good game, you hitting really well. Now apply that. Keep running through your head. And now... Then like take moments like three to four or five minutes of doing that, and now you'll get ready. I felt I felt tight. I felt unstoppable. I think I went five five for five in that game, and it was like a it was like a playoff game for like a, a tournament or something. So that that's one. And the reason why I like that uh, as far as accomplishment is because it really unlocked my mentality in in the way I think, you know. And then lastly, um, it would be. My senior year high school game, I was facing four of my brothers on the other op- opposing team. Remember, I told you about that coach who's like a dad to me. Wow. He taught me how to steal home. He taught me how to steal home, and ironically, his son, which is like my brother, was pitching, and I stole. I went, I think, four for five, and I stole second on him. I stole third on him, and then I, I don't know why, but he started from the um, the windup. And I was like, this dude's really slow to the, the plate. And I still home on him for the game-winning run. But uh, we were the visitors. So it ended becoming the game-winning run. And I think the moment of time, this is a picture I wish I had during the time, is when I slid. I did a, like, I did a slide pop-up. And I just went like this. And I yelled, ah! And I remember, I remember all the fans were like just going crazy. The dirt was going crazy. My whole team was going crazy. And uh, that excitement never um, went down, even when I went on the bus. The baseball softball team were just chanting my name, and I was like, "Yeah, baby!" It's like it's like a movie. Yeah. But so, that, go ahead, go ahead. But that was one of my uh, most favorable, memorable uh, accomplishment accomplishment um, I've had in a while. So what I like about that technique and what you were saying, and this is exactly what it does through the book right there, it gets you to a feel good state right there. You went you went from most recent memory to most favorable memory, which most people do. And, you know, I have the same kind of moments where I execute a pitch, struck out a guy, threw the ball where I wanted to visualize what I could do. Like you were saying, if you can visualize it, you yeah. can hold it. Um, and what I really like about that and what a lot of kids uh, don't really do that, you know, they don't they don't visualize. They just see ball, hit ball, which there is a ignorance is bliss to that situation. But I don't think as a young guy, you know, really going in, maybe seeing something they're harder going. But what I really like about it, and this is what they talk about it, is where Long story short, in what you put in with your highlight reel right there of your career, did you put anything negative? No, of course not. Of course not, right? It's a highlight reel. Even yeah. if it were on ESPN, they're yeah. not going to put any kind of bad play in a top five yeah. you know, on ESPN or anything, you know? Yeah. So that being said, why would you identify anything negative? 
true you know and that's it's it's an easy technique to say but until you actually apply it to what you did right there now there is something to be said about learning from your mistakes right yeah. but in the visual preparation of what you're trying to do before you're trying to yeah. do that don't miss the ball uh don't bunt you know things like that there's there's a yeah. bunch of things that are in that but that being said your brain doesn't work in don'ts so how many times have you you said you know uh don't miss the bunt. Don't miss the bunt. Don't miss the bunt. Or don't yeah. miss the hit and run. Don't miss the hit and run. And what do you do? You miss the hit and run. And it's really because you're questioning your abilities and you're not saying, you're not telling yourself what to do. It, you know, instead of get the head, you know, get the head out, make sure you make good, strong contact, stay through it, you know, try to figure out it ahead of time who's going to cover the bags, so you know, what hole to go to or whatever you're going to, you know, however you're going to do it. Or, or my favorite one is, you know, how many coaches get mad because, uh, you gave up an 0-2 hit and, uh, you know, they call a fastball up and you miss middle. But what you're trying to say in your head is, okay, uh, instead of say, you know, throw it high, throw it above the catcher's mask, you're saying, don't miss middle, don't miss middle, don't yeah. miss middle, don't miss middle. And then sure enough, you throw it right down the middle. Or, you know, your coach is saying, 0-2, you got to bounce it. You know, don't, don't miss over the plate. Don't miss over the plate. And you hear all these, don't do this, don't do this. And the kid does it. And then he gets in trouble instead yeah. of, even the coaching technique is almost the same thing where it's, you know, okay, instead of saying don't miss middle on this curveball, let's say throw it well outside, you know, throw it to this spot, throw it in the left-handed batter's box, throw it into the back line over here, throw it at the umpire's mask for the yeah. high fastball, you know, um, keep your eyes focused on what you're doing, stay within what you're trying to do, you know, or am I, the other thing that, that cracks me up the same thing, don't overthrow you know, uh, and things like that, which me being a pitching guy, learning things that I'm doing, I really consider myself a throwing guy too. I don't even believe in there. I don't think there is such thing as overthrowing. Yeah. I think you, you can throw the ball as hard as you want, as you can, if well, what is possible. But yeah. that being said, accuracy is lost, you know, mm. at a certain point of level 10 throwing. And that becomes, for some reason, a bad thing in practice. And if yeah. you can't fail in practice, then you're not going to push yourself in a game. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. I, I don't know if you like that. That's one of my favorite I, things. I, I love that. Um, I, I, you kind of, I mean, good thing I didn't think of anything negative. But when you asked me, you didn't think of anything negative. I was like, no, of course not. And you said, then why would you, you know, what you would say, you questioned me. You said, why would you? Yeah, why would you put anything negative? Why would you, in, why negative? Would you even remember anything negative? And that's a rhetorical question. You just, it's, it's given, you know what I mean? It's like, you just, oh, okay. You know, like I can't, I can't say, oh, yes or no. It's just, uh, oh, all right, you're right. And that just, it, it kind of clears your mind. It clears your mind to just say, think positive, do positive and get positive. Even if something goes your way or it goes the wrong way, that's where you learn from experiences and still respond in a positive way. I'm, I'm a believer in that. You, just because you you think positive and live a positive life doesn't mean everything comes positive. There's me sucky stuff that comes your way, but now it's the way you respond. You know, are you gonna respond negative or positive? You know, exactly. Negative. 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, and and you hear this whole participation trophy thing and things that are going on. I think that we're not teaching these kids the right thing, even at a young age. Like, there should be some form of pain or hurt. I believe. And especially when you're growing up, because if you lose the championship or you lose uh, and you're at closing ceremonies and they're giving away trophies to the winners, it doesn't mean anything. It Everybody gets a trophy. Yeah. 
You know, there's no there's no value system to what's going on. It's like, all right, well, we played our system. And I understand that there should be a, a form of appreciation for completing the season. Yes. Right? But you can't reward the guy just for completing it. That's not okay. that's not the way the game should be played. It's, you should be rewarded for succeeding and playing your best. And sometimes playing your best just doesn't work out. That's why the baseball is the way it is. It's not like any other sport where if you do your job to the best of your ability – you still lose. Yeah. You know, I mean, football, if you if you don't do your job the best of your ability, you can still win the game. You know, it's it's on another guy. And I always, you know, when when I'm trying to groom a lot of my athletes over here, I try to tell them like you worrying about your right fielder's ability to catch the ball is not keeping you focused on you striking everybody out. Because yeah. as much as we like to preach throw strikes, get ahead, get ground balls, do that. There is a moment in time sometimes as a pitcher, you got to reach back and go, look, I just need to strike everybody out. Sometimes yeah. you have to end the damage and go from there. And I, I evolved that into a further thinking, which I run into issues with all the time, but I will live and die by this because I think if you're trying to strike out every batter that you face, you will force weak contact. Now, granted, 0-2 to 3-2, we know that's bad. You can't, You don't want to walk people, but it's a part yeah. of the game. Right. I think that if you with that same positive negative aspect, the only people that really focus on negative categories is the media. If you look at MLB, they count walks, they count hit batters, they count ERA, they count all these things. But yet when you follow the money in the baseball and you see who gets paid the most, they don't care anything about those categories. They yeah. look at Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, and those guys are top five every year in strikeouts. And those guys make the most money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's same thing with home runs, doubles, and everything. Like, well, it's so funny when I talk to some of my clients too about hitting, and I'm sure you get the same thing. They're like, oh, little Johnny hit 800 on the weekend. I'm like, cool. How many runs did he score and how many doubles did he hit? Yeah. Oh, well, well, he had one double and he didn't score. Did you guys even win a game? What did <laughs> yeah. you do? Hit eight flares over the third baseman or what, yeah. what happened? You know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I, I get that all the time. <laughs> yeah. He hit 800. Cool. You guys win? No, we didn't win any game. It goes back to the same thing on the hitting side, too. Like, I always try to open people's eyes on that side of it, where it's like, if you look at the hitting side, who makes the most money as a hitter? Like two, three, four hitters? Yeah. John hitter. Carlos Stanton. You look at all these guys that are making so much money. Pujols, right? Yeah. That year that Pujols hit all those home runs, I think his average was like 230. Yeah. You know, yeah. and if he wasn't hitting. Pujols got that fat contract by Angels at the age of what? 31 32 yeah, exactly yeah you know so that that's the, that's the money maker right there and he could suck all he wants now because he's still gonna get paid you know yeah, exactly and he doesn't want to you know yeah. what i mean and he kind of got away from what made him himself too you kind of saw him drop off a little bit for even like what you were saying his biggest thing was they always talk about his oppo power oppo power oppo power yeah i think that's a secondary situation of what was happening he made his money getting there pulling the ball and I think sometimes you got to be more aware of understanding what works for the baseballologist may not work for Cutter Nation as far yeah. as what's going on. And you can see guys that sometimes try to change their game when they're on top instead of ride out what you're the best at. And if you're good at pulling the ball and you can hit tanks, then do it. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes that pitch that's on the black, you do hit it out yeah. and you pull it. It's okay. You see yeah. Hanley Ramirez do it all the time. David Ortiz all the time, 100 miles an hour on the black from a lefty outside corner. And he's like, yeah, that's cool, man. Appreciate that. See you later. Yeah. You know, 
And he, he's entirely okay with pulling the ball. But for some reason, and you even said it yourself, like, hey, get through it, see it deep, and you see it all the time with, with guys. But I think it's more being self-aware of what you're good at. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, that's why a lot of people are always ask, always ask me, why when they do the shift why don't they just learn how to go oppo it's because that's what they that's what got them there you know that's what that's why they're paid is to not just hit it oppo or hit it you know they're trying to smack one yeah you know yeah they, you can't you can't walk off the island like they say all the time for the latin guys you know you got to yeah. swing it you got to swing it you know and 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 it depends on their 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 what they're there to do you know altuve is a really good uh, hitter but this dude he's paid to get on base and score you know, get on base anyhow, and that's why he's getting paid, and that's why he's who he is because he gets on base. Now, don't correct me if I'm wrong. He's the same height as you, right? No, he's five five, five six. He's five five. He's I guess so, you you tall guys five five six to five nine is, is the same. So I get it. I get. It. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Am height discrimination. Yeah, height discrimination. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, he's a he's just under me. That's yeah. all that is. You know, my, one of my good friends is like six two, six three. And he's like, he's your height. I'm like, dude, I'm five nine. The dude's like five six. And same, I'm like, never mind, man. That's well, see, and that's what I love about him too. Like when when you look at Altuve swing, people you talk smooth, this and that, and he can't swing sixty percent sometimes, you know, all yeah. the time. And he still hits home runs and drives the ball off the wall. And I say, it still looks like he's trying to swing as controlled and as violent as possible. He's probably pushing 90 to 95% of that power, you know, majority of the game when he's swinging. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why I love the guy because this dude goes all out. You know, he actually reminds me of uh, Dust Madroya, but yeah. better. Dust Madroya was a baller, you know. He acted like he was 6'5", 6'6", and monster, and he'll talk smack. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard him talk smack, He talk, especially when they were winning. Yeah. The time. Dude's cocky, and I love it. I, I love that. I love people who are like that that could back it up. That's my yeah, for sure. Conor McGregor. Yeah. I mean, it's just rare. You don't see it where you talk smack, and, you know, it, it, it's a I, – I, for me, in my, in my experience, it's been a 50-50. I've seen guys that talk smack back it up. I've seen guys that talk smack and don't. But yeah. I think that that confidence to go out and try to do it, almost to trick yourself to be, to be yes. good is important. You know? and, and I respect people who are cocky get – beaten up whether whatever sport it is but show respect afterwards because that's sure. that's the name of the game you know like i mean this kind of off topic like when mcgregor lost against uh Mayweather. no 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 uh and, and oh, uh, yes 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 when he got choked out yeah he got choked out he came out pretty pretty professional he, he came out professional against mayweather too so i like that because yeah, i think they because sure. if he says oh he cheated it's now you look like an idiot you know yeah, yeah. so that, that's the difference of of you know, doing it, and then over time, McGregor turns yeah, the yeah. McGregor machine back on, and now we're all hooked again. Exactly. You know? And that's what honestly I like about Latin players too, because they are confident, confident. They're loud. They speak their mind. If yes. you don't do your job, they say it. Yeah. But it's you can't get offended by it. You just yeah, I didn't do my job. I screwed up. I got to do better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. I, I that's why you know when it comes uh what is it the World Baseball Classic? I love watching that because you just see the gameplay of different nationalities or different countries. You know, uh, hit or face the MLB. You know, it's it's awesome. You see passion. You see, you know, like when uh, where's Lindor from? Uh, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. When he remember when they went to Puerto Rico like two three months ago? Yeah. You'd hit a home run. Everyone worshipped their mind. They lost their mind. The whole stadium went crazy. Yeah. You know, and I I I wish 
they have that more here and i think it's coming it's coming along but i just love learning from other cultures other other players dude that reminds me man i got you we got to set this up one time you got to come down to tj with me and go to a game it's a whole different experience man it's so much more fun especially a big game speak spanish what's that speak spanish yeah i can i've been down there i've played six years down there then we're good yeah it's but it's a whole different thing like it it feels like a playoff atmosphere, but it's a Tuesday. Like it's not a big deal. Like you know what I mean? Like they just it's go a, crazy. It's a Tuesday morning. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a Tuesday or a Wednesday midweek game yeah. and the five starters going and everybody's excited about things. You know, it's just it's the way the game should be. And I and, and I'm loving how MLB's releasing these rules about having to stay in the dugout and not make too many gestures on the field and slag out your cleats. And I think Nike's going to do some cool stuff as soon as they get that contract in 2020 with uniforms because white and gray is overplayed. Can we just talk? Can we just say it? Can we just, you know, how many times do you go into the show when you're on your, your live stream on Twitch and you immediately go to your retro or your alternates? Everybody does it. Like, I don't know one guy that's like, you know what? We're going to rock the all whites. They're going to look good. No, man, everybody wants some color, some flash. You know, I mean, you look at slow pitch softball, they got full sub dye. I saw an all pizza uniform. All right, let, let, we're going too far now. We're yeah, going I, I, far. I know we are, and I thought the same thing until I saw it. And I was like, you know what? Why not? You know what I mean? Like, why not have something to that point? You know, that's why, that's why, um, like the baseball community promotes uh, college uh, uniforms all the time because they swag the heck out, you yeah, know, for sure. And it's, it's pretty sick. Like Vandy's all black pinstripes. Ooh, yeah. I'm a fan. I am a fan. I used to not be a fan, and now I'm like, you know what? Why not? Screw uh, it. Notre Dame. Oh yeah, the all greens or the all golds. Yeah. yeah. Florida They're- State wears the all gold too. You know, um, when 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 D-backs changed their their um, their uniform was about two three years ago. Yeah, with two, that. Three, yeah. I thought it was really stupid because you know it's just it's going against the game. But you know, they, they, I, I, I'm, I, I like that charcoal gray. You know, I'm yeah. not a big fan of that white with the red. I, mean, I, I like the charcoal gray because well, it's a. It needs to match. You know, like if, match, if you're right? gonna wear, if, if you're gonna wear the white with the fade to whatever is on the bottom, then you got to have the cleats to match it. But now you're putting on the player to match the cleats to do it. But then if you wear high pants, then it doesn't even matter. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, so that's it. We're creating a movie. We're calling the MLB. We're getting to the players' association to be like, "All right, you guys are completely screwing up." You know what I mean? <laughs> These guys are. All crazy. right, man. Well, look, I gotta. We gotta wrap this up. I gotta get going. I gotta run a couple errands before I start the rest of my day. But listen, this has been awesome. You got anything else you want to plug, real quick? John, appreciate you uh, taking the time to I don't know, just take interest in talking to me about baseball. I truly appreciate you. I appreciate Cutter Nation. You guys check me on Instagram, YouTube, the Baseballologist. Um, and we'll talk again, man. Sounds good. We'll have the link in the bio with everything on there. 